name is Dave Hawkswood. I'm from the, uh, the Bendigo Assembly over in Victoria. Uh, so greetings from, uh, from Bendigo and the Saints there. We've got a number, number here at the camp, but a few couldn't, couldn't make it, but um, hello from Bendigo. Uh, let's open up the Bible to 1 Corinthians in chapter 12. Now, Andrew sort of led me into the talk quite well, just uh, as he came into that time of prayer there, he just said, we're going to have a time of praying in the Spirit. We're going to have five minutes praying in the Spirit. And that's, that's a term that we're quite familiar with in our assembly. And I want to talk today about, about speaking in tongues. Um, now, if he had said that in a number of other churches, there might have been a bit, bit of confusion. What does he mean by that? What is, what is this praying in the Spirit? Um, some, some groups of people, some churches might have actually just sat in silence, you know, because many people, that is a, a time of prayer. Is they'll, they'll sit, sit in silence, they'll meditate on the things of the Lord perhaps, but there's no voice of the Spirit. They're not actually vocalising, praying in the, in the Spirit. Um, we know from the scriptures that this, this term we use and similar terms, this, this lingo, if you could, if you want to use that, uh, comes from the Bible. Uh, just to quote a couple of scriptures, Ephesians 6 verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Jude uh, verse 20, very well known to us, but you beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So we use the same terminology in our church and we're, we're very happy to do that and we know that that terminology is referring to praying in tongues, to speaking in tongues. We get an explanation very clearly for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 14, for if I pray in an unknown tongue my spirit prays but my understanding is unfruitful. So we like to use the same terminology and we know what it means. We maybe go a bit beyond that in our, in our church. You know, if, if someone come, comes up to you and says, uh, guess what? I received. Again, that's maybe wouldn't make sense to a lot of people, but we, we would know that they're talking about having received the Holy Spirit. You know, it's probably not a term that we would use up, up the front because it's, we really want new people to understand that we're talking about receiving the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. But just between us, someone might come up and say, you know, I received or such and such, such received. And we know what that lingo means. We know what that terminology means. So we're talking about the, the, the gift or the, the, I'm going to use a few Greek words today, which is dangerous when there's Greeks. I'm safe in Bendigo, there's no Greeks, but just bear with me, Greeks. Um, the Doria, or Doria, um, gift of the Holy Spirit. So as we, quoting a few verses, but we know very well, Acts 2 verse 38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Doria gift of the Holy Spirit, being born again of the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit. It's used, spoken about differently in different places in the, in the Scriptures, but we know that it's talking about the full and complete package that comes along with receiving the Holy Spirit. And the initial sign of that is that we speak in other tongues. We get this ability to then speak in, pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Spirit. Now, along with that complete package comes the, and you use another Greek word, the charisma or the gifts of the Spirit. And we know those gifts are laid out for us in the, in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're not going to read through them all. But the, you look into the word, the meaning of that word, a gratuity, a miraculous faculty, these different, uh, components, if you like, of the Holy Spirit. And in particular, it talks about the different way in which they operate within the church. 
how we can contribute to the, to the church with those gifts, that charisma of the Holy Spirit. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3. It says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God, or that could be worded, no man speaking in the Spirit of God, calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now again, there's many we know, many uh, people in various so-called Christian circles that would dispute the need to be able to speak in tongues, that would dispute the need perhaps even to have the Holy Spirit. And here we can see firstly, or I'll say the, the latter part of this verse, that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. It is our ticket into the family of God to be in a position where he is our um, our Lord, we are his servants, we're, we're all a part of the same family. And it says there at the start of the verse, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by or in the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. Now I would put it forward to you that that is talking about speaking in tongues. Again, we've, we know as we pray in the Spirit, we're praying in tongues. We speak in the Spirit, we're speaking in tongues. It, it, it speaks of, talks about speaking in, speaking in the Spirit in uh, chapter 14 um, as well. So we can see this speaking in the Spirit of God. No one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. Now, if he was just saying that no one speaking under the op- or under the influence of the Holy Spirit in their own native tongue can call Jesus a, cur- a curse, well, that's, that's pretty obvious, you know. Obviously, no one that's operating by the Spirit of God in their own language and talking in their own language is going to call Jesus a curse. That doesn't make sense. But you can imagine that perhaps there were, there were some that were hearing this church and this speaking in tongues and thinking, I don't understand that, so maybe it's of the devil. Maybe they're calling Jesus a curse. And so he's making this point that no one speaking in the Spirit of God can call Jesus a curse. You, you, you are praising the Lord, worshipping the Lord in the Spirit that is given to you. Now let's just come back a little bit and build a bit of context here. So I'm going to read a few verses from the end of chapter 11. It's a chapter particularly talking about the time of communion in the church. Um, it's a church that ha- was out of order in a number of things that they were doing. It seems like the, their time of communion had just become a bit of a, a party and all, all this different foods being brought and they're sort of not really focusing on what they should be focusing on. So just to build a bit of context, verse 33, so chapter 11, verse 33, Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another, and if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. So he'd given all this instruction on the communion time, but then he gets to the point at the end of this chapter that he says, this, he basically says, there's some other things that I'll explain to you, but we'll go into more detail when I arrive, when I'm with you in person. But then as we roll into chapter 12, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now the word not now could, could, is more um, commonly translated as but. So it's like regarding communion, I've, I've covered a lot there. We'll talk about a, bit more thing, a few more things when I arrive. But then he says, but, or now, concerning spiritual, and we read in our King James Version, gifts, Brethren, I would not have you ignorant. It's interesting, there's three, um, three passages, we're going to look at each of them just briefly, uh, in chapter 12 and chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, that this word gifts has been added in. So 
we've got a, quite an advantage with our King James Version Bible that the words that have been added in for clarity to try and make the Bible a lot easier for us to stand and I think understand they've done a really good job of um, of helping us to understand the scriptures and if we had sort of a completely direct translation of the Greek in this case we'd probably struggle to read it so some words have been added in for for uh, the clarity but I do wonder. If you take this word out, gifts, it says now concerning spiritual, concerning pneumaticos is the, the Greek word, I would not have you ignorant, concerning spiritual things. And then he goes on to say, you know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb or mute or voiceless idols, even as you were led. So their old life, following after all these different idols, following after all these different gods, worshipping things made by, by man's hands, those things had no voice. Those things had no ability to, to speak. That was their old life. And then he gets into verse 3 and says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God, and of course we know that the Spirit of God has a voice. We read about it in John chapter 3 and verse 8. The voice of the Holy Spirit. No man speaking by that, can, by that Spirit uh, calls Jesus accursed. So perhaps as we read there now in the first verse, now concerning spiritual brethren, that he's not actually talking about all of the gifts of the Spirit, all of, all of the various gifts. He gets to verse 4, down in verse 4 it says, now there are, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. So this is the point in verse 4 where he starts to talk about all the various gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I, I see that verse, verses 1 to 3, he's really talking about that that unifying Holy Spirit evidenced by the speaking in tongues that we've all received, that's what the focus is upon. And we see it, it's uh, the same sort of thoughts over in chapter 14. Just turn over there. We know we're skipping over chapter 13, a wonderful chapter talking about charity or love and the importance of it and the fact that the love needs to be the basis of everything we do either in our personal lives or, or in the church as we're gathering together. We need to be driven by the love of God. Um, all of these various gifts, you know, they need to be driven, they need to be based upon the love of God. And in chapter 14, verse 1, following on from chapter 13, it says, follow after charity, follow after love. And here we get see again, and desire spiritual gifts, but gifts has been added in. But if we perhaps just leave that aside for a moment, desire spiritual, desire pneumaticos, but rather that you may prophecy. The word rather means more. So he's talking about in the context of the church, it's, there's, there's more to be gained by our brothers and sisters around us through the gifts that they can understand. Follow after love, desire spiritual, desire spiritual things, the gift of the Holy Spirit. We know we can pray in, we can pray, we can speak in an unknown tongue, but more rather that you may prophesy. And then there's an explanation to that. It's like just clarifying what he's talking about in verse one. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God, for no man understands him, howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. So this is the spiritual, this is the pneumaticos, praying, speaking in an unknown tongue. But he that prophesies speaks, not, speaks unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he that prophesies edifies the church. 
I would that you all spoke with tongues, but rather or more that you prophesied, for greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. So this is the real uh, foundation for these scriptures here. It's talking about in the church as we gather together and the benefits of each of these things, the reason, the purpose behind them. There's a lot of other scriptures we can look into, of course, to, to build a bit of a picture for us. But uh, desire spiritual desire or have a zeal for the spiritual side, our Holy Spirit experience, praying in, in the Holy Ghost, uh, but rather that you prophesy as well. Uh, down in verse 12. Now, I should mention that as we go through this chapter, if you were to highlight this in a couple of different colours, you'd just go from one, one pencil to the next because it just goes tongues, prophecy, tongues, prophecy, tongues, prophecy, making this comparison between the two. Making us, giving us an understanding of the, the purposes of each of these things and, and neither of them can be left out. They all have a role. They all have a very much a, a purpose in the church. Down in verse uh, 12, so I might just, I'll, I'll start a little bit earlier just to, to build the context. You'll, you'll perhaps recognise these, uh, these verses. In verse 10, there, there are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world and none of them is without signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaks a barbarian, and he that speaks uh, shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so you, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, but again, the word gifts has been added here, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. So as much as you are zealous of that Holy Spirit experience, it's saying in this case, and they were, they were a church that was zealous of that Holy Ghost experience, zealous of tongues, but perhaps they'd become a little bit too zealous and that's why we have this chapter providing so much um, direction for them. Seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Wherefore let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I'll pray with the spirit, I'll pray with the understanding also. I'll, I'll sing with the spirit and I'll sing with the understanding also. So... Uh, here we can see this kind of terminology that we live and breathe, we speak and praise the Lord we do, that we know when Andrew gets up here and he says, let's have a time of prayer in the spirit, we know exactly what he's talking about. We pray in the tongue, we pray in the language that God has given us. We know of the benefit that it has to us as we pray in that language, as we build up our, uh, on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And we rejoice in that. So let's just always be uh, prepared and happy to be talking about the Holy Ghost experience, to be talking about praying in tongues, to recognise the benefit in our own life, to recognise that, yes, we're, we're very different from many churches. And many churches will you know, try and tell us that you know, tongues has ceased or it's been done away with or don't need to, you know, tongues was for preaching the gospel and don't need it anymore because we've got Google Translate so we can talk to people in that, in that way. All of these different kinds of arguments that people might have and we know that as we look into the scriptures, the scriptures answer all of those arguments, of course. But we just rejoice that we are a people filled with the Holy Spirit. We have that Doria gift of the Holy Spirit. Pneumaticos, we understand spiritual things. We've been given this spiritual language that we pray to the Lord in and let's always rejoice in that and let's always understand and maintain our understanding that speaking in tongues is integral to the Holy Spirit. 
you can't have the Holy Spirit without speaking in tongues. You can't have the Holy. You can't have speaking in tongues without without the Holy Spirit. They go uh, hand in hand and unified, and it is an essential part of the Spirit-filled Church. And we rejoice that we are very much a part of that Spirit-filled Church. And all people said. Amen.